like a smart map you can see all the things that are going on locally and then you can filter the map by what sports and when you want to find them and you know you can also switch it so you can just find players but what we've built is a, a widget which is customizable and brandable so we can now for Scottish curling for instance we can give them a map which only shows curling and is in their branding and you know has their logo on it and they can put that onto their own website and their own app and we can do that for any sports So welcome back to How I Built This, uh, the only podcast dedicated to telling the stories of Scottish technology companies. Um, as always, we're sponsored by Cathcart Associates, technology recruitment experts headquartered in Edinburgh. Um, on today's show, I'm speaking to Jim Law, CEO and founder of Find a Player, a Glasgow-based app that makes it easier for people to organize, find and play sports. Jim, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Well, thanks, for, thanks for coming on. So before we go... Two feet, pun intended, and to find a player. What um, before you're running a, a kind of tech startup, if you like? What was your kind of background? It's pretty different from what I could gather from research. Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's kind of multi-level. Um, basically, started in the bank and uh, went into finance, and has, had, kind of had my future mapped out for me by um, the companies I was working for. I was getting promoted pretty regularly. And I just thought, you know, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. And um, when I was 25, I went off travelling around the world for, turned into a couple of years. And I actually wanted to be a photographer when I came back. But found that was, you know, a pretty uh, rough journey and pretty hard to get into without any qualifications or um, real experience. So we started around that same time. My, my dad had a friend who uh, had a, a water cooler business and sold it for a couple of million quid and said, look, this is the way the industry's going. So we started a water cooler business and then subsequently my dad and I had another business, um, which was mobility products, um, both of which are still going and still, you know, pay the bills. Um, but, you know, I always had a real love of sport and I think in the back of my mind always, you know, was kind of drawn back to it and um, wanted to do something if possible, you know, in that realm. So um, it was a pretty broad level of experience. I think the, 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 going through bank and finance companies, you know, I worked in lots of different departments um, and that gave me quite a, you know, a sort of broad exposure to lots of different areas of business. Nice one. And uh, where did you end up going travelling, just out of interest? <laughs> How long you got? We started Vietnam, Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia, uh, Australia, New Zealand, Fiji, Cook Islands, Hawaii, home. And then I went back to Australia for eight, nine months after that. Nice There's a girl involved, as there always is. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I went back, but went back there for a while. Where about in Australia did you kind of sell? The first year we were in Perth for about seven months, um, on the uh, just down in uh, Scarborough. And then the second time I was in Melbourne, um, so nice. I stayed in St Kilda for about uh, seven, eight months in St Kilda, which was great. You, you managed eight months in St Kilda, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've heard St Kilda's really, um, you know, quite gentrified now, but when I was there, it was, yeah, it was pretty rough. I managed, um, two, I managed I, two weeks, I think. I got a, week in oh, a, really? a week in a really shit hostel and then a week in an all right hostel. I think, uh, I don't know if we, my, my now wife and I were a bit older when we went and uh, we landed kind of after f- four days in Dubai, four days in Kuala Lumpur, stayed in like nice hotels on the way to try and like <laughs> yeah, ease our head on it. And then we got yeah. a, week, a week in base, arrived at six in the morning and yeah. we're in a shared room at eight and we're just like, oh, what have we done? 
Yeah, we actually came from the other direction because, I mean, we started in Singapore and I stayed with some family in Singapore who had a really nice flat. And then we went to um, Saigon. And, I mean, talk about a culture shock. I mean, that was the first place we went to. And that was probably the maddest place, I would say. You know, people talk about the traffic in Thailand and all that in Bangkok. But, I mean, Saigon's just chaos. So we, we just landed and we were like, what the fuck have we done? You know what I mean? We were just like, oh, my God, this is nuts. We saw like, a family of six people in one moped, and it was just it was, it was crazy. Um, and that's not even a joke. It was like three adults and three kids on one moped. Um, so, yeah. Um, so by the time we got to... Australia, I think we were pretty well versed in you know shit hostels that cost like two dollars a night and stuff like that. You know, so Aye, so it was probably yeah. you were in luxury by the time you got to the <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah yeah. Um, I mean, the, the hostels in Melbourne were, were upscale compared to some of the places you know we stayed in Vietnam and Thailand and yeah, one in Malaysia actually was just horrendous. Didn't even have any windows. It was just that's, know, that, that was just prison by the sounds of it. Oh, it was it was so grim and like uh, yeah, it was like about a hundred degrees, no windows and. Basically, one fan circulating the same hot, stinky, far air that um, you know had been there for like weeks. It was, it was horrendous. Ah, so, yeah, they, that's amazing. You mentioned through all of that that do you love sport as well? I think I'm right in yeah. saying this, and I hope I am. But you played badminton at a pretty high level, right? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of Scottish junior champion level. Uh, played for Scotland um, up to you know probably about fifteen, sixteen. Um, and then, you know, realised that girls weren't impressed by it and there was no money in it. And uh, <laughs> it wasn't, you know, it wasn't something that got you a lot of kudos down the pub. It's like, oh, I meet Jimmy's great at badminton. And I was just like, oh, really? Wow. You know, so, um, yeah, I kind of started working um, quite, I, I went into the bank, I did my hires and I went into the bank when I was like 16 or 17. Um, and, you know, as soon as I started working, I, I kind of stopped going to tournaments. Yeah, so let's let's jump in to find a player then, Jim. So yeah. can you tell us a bit about, about the genesis of the idea and kind of the original thought? Um, and I suppose wrapping it into that, do, does it look different now to when you first started it? Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of the general idea, it's still pretty broadly in line um, with what the original idea was. We never wanted to be, you know, just a... We are for five sides in Glasgow. The, the intention was always to build a platform which connected sports on a large scale. Um, I think it could have been, it would have been a lot easier just to do like a, you know, a five side app or something like that. But my, I think my brain is only really engaged by um, things that are quite ambitious and that I've got a bit of a vision. And I always just wanted it to be, I always felt as if it, it there was a real need for a platform that connected sports and all sports, not just football. Um, and that, that had a lot of power in it, you know, the community and um, the, the kind of social mission that that could drive was actually quite important. So I think the, the, the vision for the product has always been pretty, pretty similar and it would probably be a lot easier just to go back and start small and do one sport, but we, we sort of never conceded to that. Um, in terms of the where the idea came from, um, you know, like most ideas, just a personal pain point. Um, when I moved into Glasgow uh, 10, 11 years ago, um, my wife moved up from down south and uh, we moved into, into town and I lost all my games of fives, my badminton club, the guy I played squash with. And uh, I was getting invited to quite a lot of things, but they were always at the wrong time. And I just realised that organisers are always looking for players and uh, 
players are always looking for games and actually nobody really cares that much who they're playing with as long as the standards roughly the same. So it just seemed like there was a real obvious gap in the market. It was, we, we had a look at if there was any solutions out there, which there weren't. There were a, were a few in individual sports that were you know, servicing local areas, but, but generally there wasn't really a big solution out there that was delivering a product on the level that today's product needs to, to execute. So so we just thought, right, let's let's try and build it. And you know, that was a that's been a pretty momentous task to be honest. Um I think people have a perception of oh just build an app, but to do it well to the level that, you know, today's consumer expects is really challenging. Um and there's a lot of uh, thought and psychology and time spent on testing and um UI and user experience. No, I bet. As someone that organizes the game of five so used to I can totally see where the, the idea would come from. I mean, there's nothing worse than being the person that tries to organise it and someone pulls out at the last minute or you don't you don't know who's playing. And, and you know, actually, I was speaking to uh, Gail in your team and she was mentioning about payment and stuff like that. Um, we, without a, without a word of a lie, we've only done two weeks in the four or five years we've done our game where we've played paid by card. And it was like, it was two weeks, like three months ago. That was the first time we'd ever paid by a bank card. But I was still doing cash every single game. And I, and I was taking home the extra cash from the kitty we built up. And like, then I gave that to someone else who transferred it into their bank account. So we had a wee pot somewhere. And it was just a, it's just a ball ache, to be honest. Yeah. And I mean, that that's exactly it. I mean, the, the, sort of the two core tenets of the product are, you know, the, the organization bit, which, um, is really trying to make that weekly organisation, whether that's a, a casual game, a club, whatever it is, and actually try and put some joy into it rather than it just be an absolute bollock. Um, and, you know, we, so we looked at all the elements of that, which is, you know, sending out the invites, tracking the numbers, group chat, collecting money, um, and then, you know, making sure that there's enough players every week and, and basically embedding all that into one product. And then we also looked at how we can actually make that a, a more joyful experience. You know, it's like feedback after the game, kind of star performer and, um, you know, you'll be able to rate all your mates and then we're working on um, rewards and loyalty points so that actually every time you play, you'll be able to build up points and then, you know, redeem that against offers um, and just actually try to make it more enjoyable and less stressful. And I think, you know, the, the, sort of main, the main points of pain for, for most people are, you know, the... Find, making sure they've got enough numbers every week and, and actually keeping track of who's turning up. There's there's a lot of ways that can be done so much better than you know a, a WhatsApp group, which is what people typically use. That's uh, what we've got. Eh? Yeah, and, and that's what most people have. I mean, we've pulled a lot of organisers. It's about seventy five percent of people do it in WhatsApp, and then you know you've got Facebook groups. There's still people running like email chains and and like doing it by carrier pigeon. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean it's it's just basically trying to provide the user experience like you know one of the ones i always use is it's it's like the first time you use uber and you get out a cab and you've already paid for it and you just get out it's, it's kind of similar the first time that our group paid for their game through the app you know who's turning up they've hit a button and it goes through apple pay and google pay and then it transfers straight into the organizer's account and it was like holy shit this is like this is a step change um, just because the experience, you know, you're not standing about at the pitch for, for 10 minutes, somebody's forgot their money and nobody's got any change and who's paid and who's not paid. It's all just... You know what? It's, it's the 20p's. The 20p's did my nothing. The guy that comes with... We, we do eight quid a game, so we've got a wee bit extra for the kitty. 
it's it's only six quid a game, but we do the ten HP eight, and then we put we put twenty pound fifty in our kitty every week. But uh, and it's for a night out, right? But we've not had a night out, and <laughs> it will be good night out when you get it. Like, well, we, we, we try and do two a year, and I'm, I, I don't know when the last, I'd, I'd have to look back, but it's probably it's probably border on about eighteen months. So we're gonna, I mean, someone's gonna have a really sore head. No, it was it was always that guy that uh, the week before payday they came with twenty p's and they got them in the back of his car and that. Like I'm carrying them, I, I've got them in my pocket before the game and my shoe. Oh, I, I like, can't remember it. Get guys that turned up with five p's and you're just like, what are you doing, man? You know, giving you like handfuls of change and you're just like, what is wrong with you? Aye, it drives me mad. And I, I think the other thing is, you know, don't ever want to get to the point where, you know, you are actually scrabbling about for the last person. What, what we've built is a product where you can actually build your squad up as you go. So rather than trying to find somebody with two hours to go, you've actually got a ready supply. So when somebody pulls out the day before, you've got a queue of people waiting to get into your game. So effectively, you're just constantly always recruiting for your game and you can put people in your squad and put them in the bench. Um, so that you're never in the position where, you know, you're, you're stuck. And, I mean, we've now seen pe- – people have said to me, look, is this still weird, like, guys you don't know turning up to play fives with? You know, like, actually, no, like, it's it's really not at all. Um, and, I mean, probably 75% of our game is guys that have joined through Find a Player and uh, that are now just regulars. You know, they, they don't – That's the point, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, it's great when – you know, there's a number of guys that have, have played in our game for, for a while now or did play in our game before we all get locked down. I'd come to Glasgow and knew nobody. Um, there was a guy, actually, he was one of the physios for Glasgow Warriors. He was, a, um, I think he was Portuguese. He was a strength and condi- conditioning coach or something like that. And he was just looking for a game. And, it, you know, he, he played every week. And it was amazing that, you know, just being able to provide that kind of community and that... Um, opportunity for people to do things they want to do wherever they are um, and it, it was it was cool because there was quite a lot of people in the game didn't even know that it's, it's my app and my company so they were just like you know they, they just turned up and played the, the same way that people would join any game so so yeah That's it's amazing. great when you see that yeah it's actually one of those things and I appreciate it's not all about football so we'll move on to that in a sec but it's one of those things that when I, so I was in Melbourne in 2014 I played football every week, 11 aside, 5 aside, and then went to Australia for a year with my missus, and I was like, what am I going to do? All the 11s teams wanted you to pay $450 or whatever to to join them, and you had to register, and there was loads of rules, and I was like, I don't know how long I'm going to be in each city, so I don't really know what to do. So I tried to find five games, but you couldn't find any. And in the, in the end, I actually got two games of fives in 11 months through uh, a guy that was part of Tartan Army Down Under, and it was, a, it was a Facebook group, and he was like, do you want to play with us? And it was two of the worst games of football I've ever played. So it was indoors with a futsal and loads of loads of weird rules played against loads of uh, I think they were like separate Australians who were just unbelievable against a few a few older Scottish blokes and then me. I didn't even have trainers. Like I was playing in like makeshift shoes, but like all I wanted to do was play a game of fives. But I bet something like like find a player would have been more. They would you would have found like a real game as opposed to I ended up yeah. playing this weird game. Yeah, and I mean, it, I think, you know, I've had a couple of experiences. One in, we were out in Qatar as part of their Qatar Sports Tech programme um, that they had for, for the World Cup in 2022. They wanted all the kind of best sports tech businesses in the world out there. Um, and, you know, it, the, the power of it is, is incredible because it was all these guys that we met that were in the office and they came in, you know, with the throbes on and they were it's quite formal and they're kind of intimidating and you don't want to say the wrong thing or offend people. 
And then, you know, we ended up playing fives with them. And it's amazing how much of a leveler it is just playing sport with people. That, you know, you see them in their kit and, you know, some of them are Liverpool, Man United, Man City, whoever. Just removes any barriers to getting to know people. Like, as soon as 100%. you start playing, it's just like everybody's in the same level and, you know, there's no kind of social grade. It's just you just get on with it. One of the other ones actually was in, when we were in Vietnam travelling. Um, my best mate, Dan, who... Uh, is he lives in Melbourne actually still and we're walking through this tiny town in Vietnam um, we were doing this bike tour These there was all these kids playing football on a bit of waste ground and you know most of them had you know were playing barefoot didn't have trainers on or anything like that and apparently they didn't get a lot of tourists so they were like the, the guys that were giving us a tour said they've probably never seen white people before so they were like intrigued and they were like waving us over and we ended up playing football with them for like an hour and it was just amazing. They couldn't speak English. We couldn't speak Vietnamese. But that, that's the power of it for me is the, the connection and that the universal language of sport without getting too wanky about it. <laughs> but it's, you know, but like joking aside, I mean, it is, it's an amazing way to, to meet people and to uh, form a bond with people. And that's, you know, really what it's all about for me. Totally agree. I found this out when I played. I used to always want to play my dad's fives game and I finally was old enough to play. And one of the main guys there, we were in the pub after that and he was saying that he's like a, he was like a senior professor at Stirling Uni or something like that. Like pretty, pretty well established, like well respected guy in his field. We were talking about careers and he was like, the reason I love this fives game is because it doesn't matter. He was like, nobody, nobody knows me as like this professor who does X, Y and Z or whatever. He's like, and then next to me we've got, I mean, I was a student or something and he was like, nobody cares. He's like, that's the whole point. Going back onto the product. So obviously it started with fives, but the whole point is that it's going to be it's all sports, whatever you are, club, professional, amateur. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's never, it's not, I mean, it never started with five. That five was the where the sort of first pain point came. The, the product has always been um, all sports. It's just that we've never had the marketing budget really to go after lots of different sports. But when you sign up, you know, you can tell us you, you like 10 different sports. Um, it's really because all the content is user-driven and user-created. It's really up to people that use the platform to, to use it for whatever they like. Um, we've just never done a lot of marketing full stop, to be honest, because we wanted to get the product into the shape that um, it needed to be before we started to scale it. We didn't want to try and scale it before we felt the product was ready. We are now at the point where, you know, literally earlier today, I had a, a call with a, with a guy in Germany who wants to, he used to work for Puma, actually he was one of the execs at Puma and he's now involved in table tennis. Um, and he wants to use it for table tennis. And, you know, we're getting, had a call this morning with Scottish Curling. They're looking to make their clubs more interactive. What we've actually got now, um, we've built a, like a smart map, which is kind of like, you know, Airbnb, where you can see all the things that are going on locally. Um, and then you can filter the map by what sports and when you want to find them. And, you know, you can also switch it so you can just find players. But what we've built is a, a, a widget which is customizable and brandable. So we can now, uh, for Scottish curling, for instance, we can give them a map which only shows curling and is in their branding and you know has their logo on it. And they can put that onto their own website and their own app. And we can do that for any sport. So we initially had that conversation. USA Soccer approached us about it and you know we kind of started really thinking about how we make it work for them and then you know we can now apply that to any sport and any location effectively and we can lock that to whatever the demands are 
So that's something that we've only just finished and that we will be pushing hard with once we get out of lockdown because I think everybody that's seen it so far and some of the biggest five-a-side providers in the UK have asked for exclusivity on it um, because they saw it and they were like, we don't want any of our competitors having this. So Sounds number. like you uh, can name your price or give it to all of them. That's a nice position well, to be in. We, you know, we've, <laughs> we've been down the road with them a couple of times and they've tried to build a version of our product ourselves and realise actually it's a lot harder than anticipated and, you know, they've spent a lot of money with agencies trying to replicate it and, you know, not being able to get anybody to use it because it's a, it's a beast of a job, to be honest, to get it right because there's so many variations and variables and use cases and I think they've now seen that actually they'd be better just letting us go on with it and, you know, we just have a commercial relationship, so... Um, I'm not going um, to name names, but the people that we play with can't even get their uh, COVID consent form to work. So, and, and that's, that's it's an online Google Doc, basically. And, and for the five weeks we were allowed to play football, it's it's probably it was just a, it was amazingly stupid how bad it was. So, uh, I, yeah, I don't think you've got too much competition from from that particular company, anyway. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll not uh, we'll not point fingers on naming names, but um, but yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, they are not, most of the facility providers, you know, they're not tech companies. Um, you know, we've had conversations with some of the um, local authority sports trusts as well. And same thing, you know, it's it's like, look, this is a whole different job. Let us do that and you can go on with, you know, filling the pitches and we'll help you do that. So, yeah, that it's hopefully when people start to cotton on to actually the potential for it and what it can do, then, you know, we'll start to see quite a lot of uptake for it. Yeah, no, I'm sure it'll be huge. And I, I think I gave this one to Gail, but I'll, I'll let you guys have it for free as well. The the finder ref's got legs. It surely has legs. Yeah, I, I've actually, one of my mates um, down his down Brighton direction, we've had a chat about that um, before because he's got a company called Ref6 and they do like a smartwatch for, for, for referees. Uh, so we, we had a chat about that. And I mean, there's, there's, to be honest, there's loads of potential ways we could we could add things in. Um, physios is another one. And, you know, there's there's like volunteers and there's lots of things we can add into it. But we need to get the core product right first and get that core user journey nailed before we then start putting the bells and whistles onto it. Um, but, yeah, there, there's loads of ways we could take it. Yeah, that's well, actually, we'll get on to the, the kind of the scaling part because it's, really, it's actually really interesting. But let's quickly jump into fundraising. How have you went about that? I suppose in the early days, because I'm sure I think there's a couple of interesting stories and, and also kind of, does it look different now? Like you've now got some more full-time members of the team, which we'll, we'll get onto as well. But how, how have you kind of managed to do it? And if you were doing it again, would, would you change it? Yes, I would. Um, but I mean, everything's easy in retrospect, isn't it? Um, it's, yeah. So, so basically what we did first like basically we bootstrapped it initially um, funded by our own sort of family businesses. Um, we outsourced the development to start with to, you know, Eastern Europe and we had a product that worked, but it wasn't stable or scalable. Um, it basically let us demonstrate that we could put a crappy product together. Um, it's one of these things where, you know, I can't remember who said it, but they said, I think it was Eric Reese that does Lean Startup, and he said, if you don't look back in your first MVP and think it's an absolute pile of shit, then you waited too long. 
And I remember at the time putting it out and thinking, well, I'm really proud of this. I think this looks awesome. And I look at it now and I'm just like, holy shit, that is terrible. So it's one of these things you don't realise how far you've come. But, you know, at the time we, we demonstrated that we could, you know, put a product out that worked. Um, one of my friends uh, was a producer for um, STV and he kind of picked up and did a wee story about it on, I think it was like STV local Glasgow or something like that. And, you know, quite a lot of people downloaded it off that and let us say a kind of customer acquisition cost. And at that point, a friend of mine who um, is just about to IPO his company, uh, they turn over about 150 million quid, a guy called Steve Oliver, um, who runs Music Magpie. I don't know if you know them, but Steve's a mate of mine, the guy that founded it. And I said to him, look, we're, we're trying to build this product. Would you have any advice in terms of build, uh, building it or finding good developers? And he asked me what it was and he um, then said, you know, I actually had a similar idea and I've never done anything with it. If you get off the ground, let me know because, you know, I'd like to be involved and, and help out. So he brought some of his friends in who had invested in Magpie and to find a player. And we did a crowdfunding round with Steve's help and a number of other people's help. So we raised 150 grand initially via sort of friends and family crowdfunding and Cedars. That let us bring in a, a sort of full-time team to to completely rip the product up and start again. Um, and then since then, you know, we've iteratively been doing a bit, of, a little bit of growth, and then you know, looking at where the product needs to be better. Um, we've never really at the point where we're like, right, we need to hit the scale hard. There's always been things that we've we wanted to make better, and we've pretty much been running off of a budget of about 100 grand a year um, for a dev team, which is nothing. Um, I've been working for nothing, uh, getting paid by you know, other businesses. And, um, you know, we've just kept this sort of head down and got on with getting the product to the place where, you know, hopefully it will be an overnight success after X number of years. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's now, I think the commercial applications and the, the, the state of the product, I mean, it's, it'll never be finished. You know, it's, it's like Facebook or any product that's never finished. Um, but what we are trying to do is make sure that the core user journeys are always getting better and that we're always examining how we can, um, you know, get people the results they're looking for. No, I think it's a really good story, and I think that's one of the reasons I wanted to start this series around Scottish tech companies. Is I think there's a there's a lot of like marketing bluster about tech startups, and in reality, it's a lot of hard work. And oh, like it's it's brutal. Like I mean, laterally as well. Um, you know, we 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 got some significant funding from Scottish Enterprise, uh, their high growth fund, and which has you know been a game changer for us. It's allowed us really to to sort of plan for the next couple of years and bring some really good people into the team. Gail, as you as you spoke to, who I work with on Real Spark, um, and we've got a few other people coming in. The intention is we'll go and raise a bigger amount of money once we start the metrics moving in the right direction, and you know we we start to commercialise. But yeah, I mean it's it's a fundraising is a it's soul destroying. Um, I, I think it's it's easier if you've got a track record than you know you've had a a business like this before and you've had an exit um but for people that are first-time founders and you know probably myself being non-tech you know i found out subsequently like eSpark was a couple of people said we never thought you would get this product off the ground we never thought you'd be able to build it and i think that's always been one of the challenges that you know people are very nice to your face and then i'm not saying that they're nasty behind your back but you know people are very 
sceptical about you ever actually achieving what you say you're going to achieve. And, you know, we haven't achieved the scale we want to achieve yet, but in terms of the product, um, you know, it's been recognised worldwide for, you know, being a class-leading product for, for what it does. You know, we're now just at the stage where we now need to start scaling and commercialising it. What's that journey been like going from you and the idea and, like, your your mates that kind of maybe helps get it off the ground and stuff, but going from that to hiring people, like, full-time, paying their wages, being responsible for them. So especially because you, you mentioned that there, you don't have a tech background. So when you were learning, you were learning how to hire tech people, what you need, like, how long something might take to build, like, how, how is that? <laughs> like, um yeah, massive journey, like massive journey. I mentioned Gail that now works with us. It's our COO now. We joined a um, program called Entrepreneurial Spark several years ago. Um, and, you know, I, I learned a lot about fundraising and building teams uh, through that. But I think it's just a continual journey of learning and upskilling yourself and, you know, bringing people in that can help you to get where you want the company to get to. And it's, you know, I, I always use the analogy, like I, I view the company like one of my children. I, I want the best for it and I don't care if I get the glory or who gets the glory. I only care that we get the company to the best place it can get to and that, you know, it has the success that it, I think it could have. And so you want people that are aligned in that journey and people that believe in the same things you believe in and that you know aren't just like in it for the money that people that understand it's it's a mammoth task and and are committed to that and actually are aligned in in terms of you know the beliefs and the culture they want to help build within the company and it's just a constant right okay what do we need to do next what do i need to learn next what do i need to get better at and I think one of the things that, you know, they taught us in eSpark was, you know, get comfortable with being uncomfortable um, because that is the reality of startup. I think you have to be extremely resilient. I think you have to be mentally very robust. Um, and I think you need to have a mindset of constant challenge and constant barriers uh, that you need to overcome. And you just need to find a way to get through them, around them or over them. And nobody gives a shit about your problems. Nobody cares. It's just like get on with it and get it done. Uh, come back see me when it's done you know so from a personal point of view I'm very lucky that I have a supportive and understanding wife because there was times it's, it's less so now but I mean there was times when we were seeing the end of the runway and um, product was in a bad place and uh, there was a lot of challenges that you know you're putting a brave face on things at work and when you're speaking to potential customers and clients and you know you're doing the kind of happy shiny stuff but then you come home and you're just like in your own head and it's pretty tiring and it's pretty stressful there was a lot of times I was coming home from work and I was not you know very talkative or very upbeat and you know fortunately my wife is, is very level and, and kind of understands that and um, is very supportive so I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky to have that you know yeah no 100% I imagine given what you guys do the last 12 months has probably been a bit of a nightmare so sport essentially got cancelled overnight kind of I'm almost a year ago and then we kind of got it dangled back in front of us and and well certainly in Scotland where we are for a, for a couple of months but has it been weirdly an okay time because you've had a chance to again look at the product and you guys are so focused on getting it uh, getting it right that it's, it's maybe not the worst news in the world 
Yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and I think it goes back to the earlier point that, you know, you just find a way to keep moving forward. I mean, we could have sat there and went, oh, woe is us, sports, sports dead for the foreseeable future. I mean, we had a number of investment conversations that were ongoing that disappeared because, you know, who's going to invest in a sports company when we don't know when sports happen again? And so there was all of that stuff ha- happened and uh, commercial conversations that we were having, USA Soccer, for example, that they, they've all went on furlough and, you know, they still seem to be on furlough um, and a number of other commercial conversations we were having um, that all just, you know, have been put in pause. So, you know, you can either sit and go, uh, oh, no, um, throw your hands up there and start crying, or you can just go, right, what are we going to use this time for? Um, and, you know, we were very fortunate that the Scottish Enterprise, um, you know, we who we've been speaking to for a number of years, round about the, the, some of the things we're working on and some of the people we're speaking to, I think they saw actually that, you know, this isn't just a wee tool for five sides. Actually, this is a a product which could have global applications and, and has a lot of social value um, over and above, you know, just getting people to play sport. It's actually the community and reducing social isolation and lots of other things that are very important. Um, and I think one of the other things that we've seen with, with lockdown is actually people really understanding and valuing sport a lot more um, and actually the, the community side of that and the, the, the mental health benefits of of just getting out and, and, you know, seeing people and playing with people. And I think a lot of people suddenly realise how much that meant to them when it got taken away. So um, that's been, you know, massively helpful. But also, you know, I think, as you said, we've, we've just used that time to go, right, okay, let's step outside the business and look at the product from a, a completely fresh perspective, what needs to be better. And, you know, Gail and I have both been doing a lot of product courses um, learning about you know the, the psychology and, and behaviours and um, user experience and journeys and doing a lot of learning in that front and then applying that to the product. Uh, so there's been a lot of fundamental reassessment of the product that we've been able to do just because you know there's no sports we're not having to think about marketing or anything like that at the moment we're just thinking about how do we make the product better if you think about it as well from like when the when the barriers are lifted like sport is going to be absolutely mental like see if if sturgeon came out and said tomorrow that like we could play fives again from next week but the pubs were shut for another couple of months i, I think I'd, I, I think i'd be all right with it <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I feel it so so much at the moment. Um, just not being able to play. Like I've I got a bike and um, I was getting out of my bike and then my bike broke and uh, I've got. But you know the weather's like here, man. It's like it's just grim. Like going out going out cycling when it's pissing with rain and snowing. You know, it's I, easy to play football with ten folk in the pissing rain because it's quite yeah, funny. But it's like, just, yeah, it's just for me, it's always just a different thing. I think the the team aspect and the the community side and actually doing it with other people. Like I think going back to the badminton, you know, I was I, I was kind of Scottish champion level when I was young, like eleven, twelve. I never really placed a huge amount of value on it, and then I found out actually when I did, it was like the Scottish team championships. So it was like Straven Academy were, were like Scottish skills champions. I I loved it, but it was always. You know, it was always if it was part of a team, I cared about it. When I was just doing it for me, the kind of personal glory thing never really resonated. So I think, you know, I'm, I'm pretty similar with sport. You know, I've never been into going to the gym or running or anything like that because I just find it really boring. Um, it's, it's always been more about the team and being part of a team and winning and losing as a team that I've really valued. So 
And I suppose just to finish off on a hopefully more positive note than being, being COVID and not playing football for however long. What do you, what do you think kind of crystal ball the future looks like for finder players? So we talked about kind of commercialization with hopefully places like those uh, five side centers and, and similar businesses and other sports. Is there is there like a kind of absolute that you guys would be absolutely buzzing with if it was to happen in the next few years, for example? Yeah, I mean, the vision has always been been pretty big, and we've always wanted to be the kind of default place where. You know, if you're a, a club or a, a game wanting to, to market yourselves, that, that it should be us and, and vice versa. Anybody looking to find sport, you know, you, you just default go to come and see us. And I think there's a lot of um, challenges that um, come with that. I think when you're trying to do something big, it's challenging. Um, so, I mean, for us, that's that's always been the dream. And I think there's a number of, number of ways we could get there. Um, there's some big partnerships that we're, you know, discussing and I've got some meetings tomorrow actually. Um, but really we just want to get the product moving and actually get people using it because I think what I've seen and what other people that have kind of got through the initial pain of trying something new, once they get onto that weekly organisation, they're like, holy shit, this is saving me, you know, two or three hours a week and it's a lot easier. So I think that's one of the things we're, we're looking at is how we educate people and actually get them to, to, to make a change because we just want to deliver value and I, I just want you know one of my goals has always been for people just to love the product and go this has made my life a lot easier and this has given me new opportunities yeah I mean I, I think that's it I think that's the main thing is like you know we want to build a product that we're proud of and that actually really does a job and delivers to a high level um, and I think if we do that then everything else works itself out you know in terms of growth in terms of revenue valuations etc um i think ultimately the product has to do the job for itself and then everything else follows nice one all right cool well um thanks again for joining really do appreciate it it'll be uh it'll be exciting to see where you guys get to and hopefully when sport comes back it will just be you'll be laughing fingers crossed that's that's the aim um so yeah i mean we're, we're just trying to go our ducks in the line for for when you know whenever that happens God knows when it'll be, but uh, hopefully sooner rather than later, because I'm fed up, you know, looking in the mirror and going, oh my God, I need to lose some weight. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to not being fat. (laughs) Well, no worries. Well, thanks again for joining. Um, Appreciate it.